Good evening and welcome to a very special edition of Anything But One. No, it's not an after school special, very special edition, uh, dealing with my crippling addiction to metal models and not painting them. Uh, it's a special edition because it's not concerning Blood Bowl. Which is why 12th Min is missing, because as soon as we said it's not involving Blood Bowl, he stormed off in a huff and won't come out of his room. So it's me, Nightwing here. Uh, who else have we got on tonight? And it's me, Nascob. Yeah. So basically, metal models are great. Yeah. It, it's it's the two uh, the two old guys talking about old hammer, basically. So if you're tuning in for your latest dose of Blood Bowl goodness, this is not the podcast for you tonight. <laughs> for for sure. Um, it might be okay. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of the same universe, right? I mean, that's kind of close. Yeah, if if you were playing the game back in sort of you know nineteen ninety five to two thousand, if you were super into fantasy, then you will be hundred percent on board with this. Um, and, otherwise, and even so, like I said, it, it, the the Warhammer Fantasy world is basically the same as the uh, Blood Bowl universe, right? It's there's very very little difference. Elves and dwarfs are involved, so I think that's you know at at the time we would have been playing this, Blood Bowl was a thing, so it probably counts. Yeah, exactly. So it's all it, fine. It does totally count. So, Mike, why don't you tell everyone uh, what we have spent an interesting day doing this weekend? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this this started a little while ago. Really, the backstory where yes. I I walked into into a little shop. And it's a, it's a little second-hand, you know, you know the kind of shop you go into when you're going to be trading in computer games, you're looking for some some uh, retro consoles or some PS1 games, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I walked in and they had a cabinet of miniatures and that included some High Elf Maiden Guard. Hmm, now, for anyone who, who isn't familiar, uh, so if I try and put that in Blood Bowl parlance... Uh, that's kind of like walking in and finding the second edition Skaven team, yes. or the, the the second edition Chaos Pack team. You know the the really old classic stuff, and uh, they were there for a pound a model, and they they clearly didn't know what they were worth. And I went, I shall have all of them. And then I went, huh? Well, I might as well start an army then. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> yeah. Um, just just to put into context, I actually walked in there today. And I was just, you know, on the off chance. And there was this little squig, and he was three quid, and I thought, I'll have him. Not really thinking about the fact that it was the classic squig hound with mohawk. Oh, it's a great model as well. It, it's it's a fantastic little model. It could do with stripping. But, you know, again, three pounds. I just, you, you just keep an eye on your local stores, because every now and then they pick stuff up. And, you know, some things they overpriced. Like, they've got a, a, a mint in box uh, of the plastic... Dark Elf Warriors, which they want for which they want £32. Mm. Now, yeah. Not so keen, but you know, every now and then you find a bargain worth looking at. I know you, you have particularly uh, good luck in charity shops. Oh, charity shops are an absolute gold mine. Yeah, well, yeah. They, they can be, um, or they cannot be, but I have had some, some charity shops and boot sales. Uh, boot it for anyone looking for old Warhammer stuff. Great, oh, boot sales. Great, great I've never, I've car. never yet had luck at a car boot sale, and I desperately want to. Uh, so I, so I picked up at 
the Castle Castle Coombe has a massive car boot sale over in Wiltshire. Yeah. Um, they do it once a month-ish, and mm-hmm. probably this would be about uh, probably eight or nine years ago, uh, I picked up what was basically, it was a suitcase full of models for 40 quid, which was a complete Dark Elf 3rd uh, edition Blood Bowl team, uh, a complete Escher uh, Necromunda gang, and a whole load of Metal Orcs and Rogue Trader Space Marines. And I was like, this is a bargain. I've now spent all my money. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, yeah. I still walked away going, yep, yeah, well, happy with that. <laughs> As you would, to be honest, because uh, that is yeah. absolutely a bargain. Yeah, for so, sure. So Matt knew I was starting to do this. Well, to be honest, regular listeners of the podcast may be aware, but Matt and you are starting to do some sort of thing. Like, ah, you know, I've I've got a, a dwarf army. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you should probably try and have a battle. And then we sort of started thinking a bit longer. And like, well, there's this campaign pack called Grudge of Drong from Classic Warhammer. So this would be. Uh, I think it was originally released in fifth edition, just yes, very, very much just like it was. It was more or less the month after fifth edition was released. It, it might. It is, might. Yeah. It might even been. As like part of the potential fifth edition launch, I'm not 100 percent on that, but yeah, I, th- I think it is literally the month after. So this is back in 1996. Yes, yeah, and yeah, and the thing about the Grudge of Drong is it's a campaign pack where you have four linked battles, and the high elves are fighting the dwarves. Obviously, the dwarves are you know they're being stupid because they've decided that some form of internal politics is an issue, and therefore they must fight the the very friendly high elves. You, yeah. said, you know, dwarves are stupid. It's it's the War of the Beard all over again. Well, actually, it's not. It precedes the War of the Beard. It uh, That's true. It technically does precede uh, the War <laughs> of the Beard. Yeah, that's true. But ba- basically, it's all to do with an elf queen named Helga who wants to trade with elves, and some of her dwarves say, bloody elves, can't be having with that. And it goes... But let's be honest. What they're really saying is... We don't really want to follow a queen. We want to follow this king. So, yes, ultimately, yeah. the dwarves are all horrible and misogynist, and the elves are there just going, you know what? We're on the side of the the nice lady lady dwarf. We will help her. The elves yeah. do. The elves are doing their tricksy nonsense, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Is how I prefer to think of it. So, after several months of preparation. Um, I'm going to go with... I've painted quite a lot of elves this year, which I wasn't really expecting to do. Yes. Yeah. I still haven't painted the Maiden Guard either. I really should do that. But, uh, yeah, so it's been, what, over over the last six months or so, I have painted... Well, I've not actually counted. Uh, 24, 40... Somewhere in the region of 70 elves. I was going to say about, about 70, 80 elves. Got to be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, because there's a yeah, yeah. I think which I don't right, think yeah. is a small number. Thirty-six, fifty-six. Uh, that's yeah, approaching that number. Particularly once you factor in, like, I've got a few eagles. I've done a griffin. Uh, there were a, so there's there's been a reasonably large number of other bits and pieces as well. Yeah, whereas whereas my preparation just involved taking my dwarfs out of the cabinet, dusting them off, and putting them in an army case. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it was. Uh, a lot easier than mine. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's true. I, to be fair, in that time, I have painted a Queen Helga model for the final scenario. So, 
that I'm that. very pleased to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we fought the first three battles yesterday. Uh, we have some fairly strong opinions. We, we have, <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a brief run-through of the kind of restrictions both armies face. Basically, a summary of the scenario, how we thought it would probably go, and how it actually went. And then maybe a, maybe a little summary at the end of how we think the last battle is going to go. And I'm not going to lie, this was definitely one where there was a lot of looking up rules because it's been... 20 plus years since either of us have played fourth edition i think so we were rusty yes, we much. were we were rusty so there, there was but a not, lot no but not as rusty as i thought we might have been i think there there were one or two occasions where we got stuff from later editions confused with this edition Oh, there were a couple of key moments where that <laughs> there, there, there there were a couple of fairly crucial things there but generally speaking we were okay. We kind of the the turn order threw us because I think we both remembered magic being much earlier in the turn rather than at the very end, which I think yeah. it certainly was for later editions. But generally speaking, it's like the moving was fine. We kind of knew what we were doing. We we remembered how to fight the combats without any real issue, which was I, surprised well, me. The thing that is, was, well, the thing is the combat stuff doesn't really change. I mean, I've played 40k in the last five years, and the combat stuff there is essentially the same yeah, as it, yeah, where, where we were. Fundamentally, it, yeah. It really isn't massively different. No, I, th- I think that's true. And I think that, yeah, it was, yeah, generally speaking, we I was surprised that we had to look up little details. But generally speaking, we were kind of 70 80% going off of memory that turned out to be right generally yeah so which yeah which given it's been so long albeit i played an awful lot of this particular edition of warhammer fantasy so i yeah i think you played more than me um well i don't know this is this probably is the edition i played the most of but probably also the edition i got the most wrong um yeah i mean i probably was only I had probably like two years of pretty intense playing of this edition, um, but yeah, that's you know that's not actually a huge amount. And at the time, I was mostly not using dwarfs. So I was mostly using empire, orcs, and goblins, and wood elves. Yeah. Um, so I was rusty with dwarfs anyway, um, and. As, as we'll reveal as we go through, I definitely, there was a hefty dose of nostalgia of me remembering dwarves being a lot better than they actually were, hmm. uh, which I think infected you to some extent with certain units where you thought my particular dwarven units were better than they actually were. Oh, so much. I was sort of sat there going, I, I, I was really worried about certain elements of your dwarf army. Yeah, and I probably didn't need to be in the same way. Oh, I mean, you hundred percent didn't. No, I think the main thing. So the main the main thing to think about is Warhammer was a game that was massively influenced by how well you could manoeuvre. Yes, hundred percent. So the the value of a flank charge was enormous. Yeah, 
It, it, it would it would very easily swing an entire game if you got one flank charge off. Correct, yeah. The the prob and it's also about getting the right unit to the right place to fight the right battle. So for example, um, the dwarven troll slayers were surprisingly not bad at killing trolls, but they were they were they were really good at dealing with high toughness units. Correct, yeah. Uh, so things like dragons. So obviously as a dwarf player you always wanted to face you you wanted that matchup. The problem is that those piddly little dwarves moved a maximum of six inches and the dragon moved twenty four. Exactly. So the yeah. dragon would pick and choose its target and it would be nowhere near the troll slayers. Yeah, it was and we are also talking about the Kilo Hammer, which is basically Lots of tooled up powerful characters who would wipe out an entire rank of infantry or cavalry without blinking. Now, yeah. that, to be fair, the scenarios we were playing were specifically designed to discourage this by limiting us to particular characters tooled up in, I think it's fair to say, Mike, tooled up in ways that we would not have chosen ourselves. Suboptimal is a good Sub- word. Suboptimal is the word, and I think, I think generally speaking, that probably applied to the restrictions on the army lists we had for each, uh, each of the scenarios as well. Very so. much so. So, so one of the things that the the writers were obviously very keen on is they they wanted to ensure that these would be battles based on units, yeah, and not based on having some ridiculously overpowered character. Correct. You know, yeah. So again, just to to take the Blood Bowl analogy, I would actually suggest that the the latest version of Blood Bowl is the closest that we've ever come to Hero Hammer. No, that's not true because earlier editions probably did more stupid things because heroes uh, the star players were very very cheap then. But compared yeah. to BB twenty sixteen, star players have become cheaper and they've gained more abilities and more wonkiness and and yeah, this yeah. era of Warhammer was very much like that so it was all about how can I get Griff into my army how can I get the best the, the stupidest, the most powerful uh, st- well, special characters back then or just normal characters with lots of stupid abilities and yeah, cram it, all of those in to get do the stupidest things yeah, this was the era of equivalent effectively of a Blood Bowl team turning up with Griff and Morg and a load of chumps. And you didn't, re- you didn't really expect your units to do any actual damage apart from provide a rank bonus and a standard for the character who would actually be doing the killing. Yeah, essentially they stop the uh, leading... The leading... Uh, so you, you've got your general. You don't want to have him on his own because he's going to get shot. So you put him inside a unit of chumps... And yeah. they get him into combat. And then he carries the day all on his own. Yeah, and I think it, it was one of the things where, in theory, it balanced. Because if, you know, if you're tooled up high of general, charged into a, you know, unit of orcs or whatever, um, he could probably kill three or four by himself, no problem. But assuming, as most units would be, it was a sufficiently large unit with a standard, that wouldn't actually be enough to defeat um, yeah. And they probably wouldn't run away. But if your general had a big unit of elven spears behind him, that would negate the other the numbers effectively. And then those three or four casualties would probably cause a 
the orcs to run away and yeah uh, you, and you win in essence very yeah, very exactly. very simplified but that was ultimately what we we're talking about so the the grudge of drong and restrictions are specifically designed to basically give us i would say suboptimal underpowered characters so it should in theory be the units that carry the day which yeah d- does prevent certain issues so uh let's so, so we'll, we'll uh, cover yeah yeah let, let's get let's go into the first battle uh, that yeah. seems like the best thing so so the the battles are linked and the victory or defeat in each of those will then have an impact on subsequent battles so basically, the the overall victory is decided in the fourth and final battle, which was your your big climactic affair. But each of the battles in the lead up to that will affect the army composition in the final round. Basically, it's always the the dwarves that can lose something. Yes. So if the dwarves lose any of the battles, then they lose opportunities in their fourth composition for the final round. Correct. Yeah. So. so yeah, it's basically so. the The first battle is effectively the elves going, you know, um, don't mess with us. We're drawing a line in the sand. If you cross it, we are going to have a fight. And a load of drunken dwarfs turn up and cross that line in the sand, and they have a fight. And what is hilarious is they are actually drunken dwarves with rules for what happens if they are drunk. Um, now, obviously, different times because that's not a thing that would be done anymore. But the fact that they'd they'd thought that through and you know it, it they they did commit to the bit. Yeah, and I think to be completely fair, it did the the game we played it actually had an impact. But it the the actual table is basically a sort of modified uh, orc animosity table of the time, which is on a one they just stand there being sick doing nothing. Two to three, they can act normally, and on a four plus, they basically stumble drunkenly forward, which is actually an advantage, weirdly. Yeah, and they'll start stumble further forward based on how big the unit is, so it does reward large units. Yes. Again, just to continue that, that previous thing. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one of the things that, like we said, is that there's a limit to your army composition as well. So some of the best high elf units, so things like maybe dragon princes or repeated bolt throwers, um, massive, uh, well, our only war machine really, yeah. which was quite accurate, quite effective, and just sort of efficiently sits there, should efficiently just sit there and kill things. Stupid bloody bolt throwers. More on that later. Yeah. Um, they, they should just sit there and do their job. I can't have any of those things. And si- uh, similarly, on the dwarf side, I can have unlimited numbers of warriors and miners, and only a single unit of um, missile troops, which any dwarf army is not great. Uh, and also strictly limited on basically the the units of elites, which is also limited. And it's worth noting at this point. So this was, I think, fifteen hundred points apiece. Yeah, and in... you didn't get a single war machine, did you? Nope, no war machines at all allowed. Just a and, sing... and a sing... single the whole unit. point. Yeah, yeah. The whole point of your army is that you can have war machines. That's kind of what you what the dwarves do. 
yeah, restricted to a single unit of missile troops and probably the worst missile troops as well. To be honest, um, does not does not bode well. Having said that, and I think when we were mentally gaming this scenario out, the fact that the dwarfs all hated the elves, we thought would probably have a pretty big impact. Yeah, so hatred had two fundamental impacts. The first one is the first round of any... So whenever you're fighting in combat, you roll to hit, and then you roll to wound. Yeah. And essentially, both of those are four-up rolls, which means that only one in four of your attacks is likely to ch uh, cause any damage. Fairly significant, because that means that a lot of these combats are low-scoring affairs. Yeah, the thing it's... about hatred is it lets you re-roll that roll to hit. Yeah, it should, it, in theory, from a math hammer point of view, it should give you probably an additional wound per turn. Yeah, but um, even yeah. more importantly, so dwarves are already quite hard to get rid of. They're yes. they're all they're all leadership nine, which means that if you want to try and make them run away, uh, the dwarven general, if they if there's a chance they'll run away, you take a leadership test, which is two d six. And you have to roll uh, equal to or under their leadership to make them stay. So as leadership 9, they don't tend to run away very much anyway. But with Hatred, right. it's leadership 10, and it's never modified. Yeah, it, it basically means that you're always rolling 2d6, looking to get 10 or under. Um, even if you lose combat by, you know, 20, whatever. It's, it's pretty because solid. Yeah. Because when you lose a combat, your leadership should be modified by uh, whatever you lost the combat by. So if you lose the combat by seven, and, and it's a dwarf, the leadership is suddenly two. So you need to roll snake eyes to not go anywhere. Yeah, and I think looking at the looking at the scenario in advance, we kind of thought, well, dwarfs aren't going to run away. Um, assuming they get into combat, the attrition should favour them. Yeah. And actually destroying a unit in a, in a straight-up combat is quite difficult. Very, very difficult in this edition of Warhammer. It generally was cause enough casualties for them, for them to run away and then follow up and kill them. You know, if I had, I don't know, if I had things like a lot of magic... Oh, but wait, dwarves are very good at countering magic. But, you know, hypothetically, if I had access to a lot of magic or if I had access to... Uh, a lot of a lot of the the tricks that high elves can do. I thought, okay, maybe I can destroy some units because that's how you gain victory points. That's how you win a battle. Yeah, but it just these things were just not options to me in this one. No, so effectively you had a level one wizard, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I had a basically a general who effectively had a big axe, which let him hit first. Which, yeah. which to be honest, useful, but not what you want, especially because he could not turn down challenges. Yeah, but which, also, yeah. I mean, it helps when he if he actually ever gets into combat. Yeah, well, they are dwarfs, so um, yeah. So, so that was how we thought the battle would probably go. Um, that proved not to be the case. Uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't go into too much detail because I don't think it's worth it. Hi, I will. There, there were a couple of highlights. One was which a very so, jammy, a very jammy series of dice rolls meant 
the silver helms were reduced to just hero and champion on a standard so, shoot response, which was when, when yeah. So when when you charge, your uh, opponent gets to declare various uh, responses, and one of the things we said, or one of the things that happened, was oh, okay. I'm going to charge your crossbow. He's like, I'm going to standard shoot, and I sort of worked it out and thinking, oh, I I should. Yeah, you know, at most I'm going to lose one here because it's quite hard for him to hit me. Like you, you were hitting on sixes or something. I think it and, was, it was um, hitting on sixes, wounding on threes. You were saving on sixes, I think, something like that. Yeah, and uh, suddenly my unit just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, and and to be fair, your hero and champion did eventually munch through the unit, but in effect, <laughs> in effect, they they took each other out of the game because you you played no further part. That unit played no further part. Yeah, um, pretty much. And so, despite despite the unmodified leadership turn, I still managed to fail a fuckload of a break tests. Yeah, and so that yeah, that, that was. That, I I, th- I think it's fair to say that your poor dice rolling is extended to Warhammer. So there were, yeah. like, so one of the things you can do is if you do twenty five percent casualties to a unit from missile fire, they have to take a little test to run away, and you just sat there and went ten. And I thought, all right, your guys are running away. And then they failed to rally the next turn. They just kept running. And so one of your elite units, yeah, like one of your few elite units, let's be fair, just legged it off the battlefield. One, one, one of my, were not interested in hanging one, around. Yeah, one of my two elite units. I mean, the, to be fair, the other elite unit did... Uh, did I was run. proud of my other elite unit, of, yeah. of, of what I did to your other elite unit, though. Yeah. So well, there, yeah. Were, there were some mine shafts on the, on the board. And if uh, you, if anything happened to wander onto a mine shaft, there was a chance they could fall down. And for various reasons, dwarves were more likely to fall down than elves because they're slow and stupid. Correct, is the best yeah. way I can describe it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> seems seems counterproductive because it's a mine, but you know that's well, that's just how that was. Um, and through mandatory moves, I basically lured one of his his, his other major elite unit, the Ironbreakers. Over the mine a couple of times, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, I mean they they did their job. To be fair, um, well, no, they didn't do their job. The Longbeards were planning on doing the flank charge, but obviously ran away. So the Ironbreakers had to do yeah. something. Um, and and yeah. that was kind of key because because you had that gap in your line where your guys ran away. Yeah. So Matt had more units than I did, and. So the worry there is that you you move in, you you lock in, and then you've got someone else that's going to work around the flank, and then the elves will run away. Yeah. But because I scared away his elite unit, there was no one to do the flank. So those two units just locked in combat, and I managed to win enough elsewhere that I got the edge, and I managed to win the win the combat. Sorry, win the battle overall. Yeah, well, I think as as I pointed out at great length afterwards, when you actually <laughs> when you actually look at your average dwarf warrior against the average elf, uh, you should be winning every time, uh, which is not great for me because I had forgotten. So, I had forgotten in this edition, dwarfs are bad. Dwarfs are very bad. So it's weird. So basically, on paper. So you can, so there's a thing called math hammer where you yeah you're yeah. calculating the averages. So what happens if I have twenty dwarf warriors versus twenty elven warriors? 
you you can sit and work this stuff out and i mean technically it means that uh certain certain units are better than others it, it's all to do with things like damage output for example exactly yeah now what oh realistically dwarven warriors are actually slightly better than elven warriors because they are because they've got higher toughness they've got as good an armor save they're as good as basically they are equal Apart and apart from the fact that dwarves have a higher toughness, which means they're more survivable, but elves always go first. Yeah, and that more than compensated. Going first is better. Just go- going first is just better, particularly yeah. because in this edition, when you fight first and you kill something, the your opponent doesn't get to strike back. So if you've got say five guys fighting, uh, sorry, you have a unit of twenty with. Uh, five guys in the front. If one of those dies, your opponent only gets to fight back with four of them because you've killed one of them. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's it, it just adds up very very quickly. Yes. Yeah, statistically speaking, it basically meant that our two largest units were just locked in combat until the end. Not really. You were chipping away a couple of my guys. I was chipping away one of yours, sort of thing. But yeah. because of my hatred, I was sticking around. My other unit rolled disastrously on the break test uh, and ran yeah. away. Uh, so I, I, I rolled disastrously on the armor test and then disastrously on the break test and ran away. So that was a it was a solid elf victory, which looking at the rules before we thought probably the dwarf should edge, but actually when I kind of worked out and thought oh, I'm restricted to warriors and miners, that's actually not that great. I think. The only difference, the only thing I would have done differently is I probably should have bought more miners, fewer warriors, because because not, they're cheaper. No, they're more they're more expensive, um, but they come with heavy armor as standard, whereas warriors are light armor and shield. So uh-huh. it's that so it's actually the same saving combat, but miners come with double-handed weapons straight away, so I'd be hitting back harder, because I'm going to strike last anyway. So that being the case, I may as well ensure that anyone who is striking back is going to be doing certain strength five. So I think maybe there's an argument to be made that you should be having uh, spears. Spears let you fight in more ranks, therefore you have more people to fight back. It mitigates that thing of striking last because you're more likely to have someone left alive at the end to strike back. Well, again, we played that out, though. If I'd taken warriors with spears, I would not have been able to use my shields to save. Yeah. So I'd and, and on sixes, so... It, uh, there's, uh, no, no, there's... You, you can, you can no, still use that no, to you... save. No, you can't. Yeah, you can, because that's how high elves work. Uh, spears, spears, are still only sp- one, spears are still only one arm. Um, but I mean, you are right. They're still they are still inferior to the high elf ones because you're still striking last. It's still not as good. Yeah, it's you're, you're still. I think we worked out on average you would be chipping away. Was it one point five dwarfs before I get to fight back? Yeah, and I would be getting something like one elf. I think. Yeah. So, so it's you know it's small margins, but small margins are enough when you're dealing with that kind of thing. Yeah, and given. Realistically, given the only thing dwarfs really have is attrition, when you're losing that battle, that's a problem. So, yeah. So I, that- I'd be interested to know if that's the same against anything else. So, the thing about elves is they're... Elves and dwarves are very similar. 
because they're yes. all, all of their guys yeah. are better than anyone else. So if you take like a, uh, your, your basic elf spearman, it's better than your basic human spearman. So against uh, humans, for example, are dwarves then better off? Or are you screwed yes. because they're so much cheaper? Uh, no, dwarves are better off. Dwarves are better off against humans. Dwarves are better off against orcs generally because orcs have the same initiative. Yeah. Um, so you're rolling off and again, it's you're both toughness four, but you are weapon skill four and better armoured. So yeah, you have okay. an advantage there anyway. So it is it is almost in a slightly perverse way, the the dark elf and high elf armies in particular are kind of the best anti dwarf uh, armies. Because they're so fast. Yeah, wood elves less so because wood elves operate in a different way, and wood elves don't generally have big ranked up units that they can match up against you. No, no, but wood elves are filth for a whole other reason, and that's because they can outshoot the dwarves. Exactly, yeah. Whereas high elves and dark elves are very much, you can have big units of, you know, reasonably cheap, certainly as cheap as dwarf um, warriors, yeah, and be at least as effective, if not more so. And you obviously have speed advantage. So, um, so yeah. So the fir- first battle was a loss, which meant I would not, I I will not be able to use more than one war machine in the final battle, which is yeah, that's painful. Clearly, clearly not great. Um, but I will say, this was a fairly close battle. There were a couple of points. Oh which yeah, very swung. much so. It, it, this could easily have swung either way. Yeah, because uh, you at various points did have to take a couple of great tests. Um, yes. Had they, had they gone differently, couldn't have been a different game. So, um, so that it was it was one of those where, even though I think both of us were lumped with, as we said, suboptimal forces and suboptimal characters, they almost balanced out. Yes, I think so. Um, I think that this one is 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 quite a good battle. Yeah. Whereas the second battle was dull and boring, and we couldn't see any way for it not to be dull and boring. Not without radically changing it, and, and by radically changing it. So, just as a as a, as a rough example, then. So, what we, what we were dealing with here was uh, the dwarves are summoning some reinforcements. And they are getting a runesmith to come over and help them out. Now, this is kind of the dwarf equivalent of a wizard. Yeah. Um, he's actually kind of an anti-wizard, but still. Uh, and, and he's important because uh, he makes the dwarven magic items. So if the if he is not present for the final battle, he uh, the, the dwarves get very few magic items. Yeah. Which one, is pretty significant, I think. It is. One, one other thing to note as well is that Dwarfs always dispel on a four plus, which is great. But I was a little bit fortunate in the first battle that the spell you rolled was only really useful in close combat. And by the time your wizard got in close combat, I had used destroy magic to destroy his one and only spell. Which I chuckled at, even though it was a it it would have been quite dangerous in combat. But I wasn't It would have done a lot of damage. I wasn't overly worried because it was literally you would cast it, and I would either dispel it or fail to dispel it. And the next round, I would dispel it, and then you would cast it again. <laughs> yeah, it was that was frustrating, but you know that's that's fine. That's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, so 
so the second battle was a weird one because it's basically I have a runesmith who again in the way of this scenario had suboptimal um, items on him I was even more restricted in the units I could take and basically I had to either get the runesmith off the board which given the limitations of the scenario was all but impossible or beat you which was tricky yeah, so what yeah. you're looking at here is a scenario that revolves around the dwarves having to be very aggressive and move, or well, and therefore move. The thing is, dwarves are very bad at moving, and I was allowed eagles, which fly, obviously, because they're eagles, uh, and yeah. I was also, so I, I had the eagles, uh, I didn't get any cavalry in this one, but I could have a lot of archers. Yes, yeah, so so you so had, so you we, we agreed... On- Archers, Shadow Warriors, uh, Eagles, and was it and Spearmen? a big unit of big unit of Swordmasters just there sword to yeah yeah. And I think after afterwards, because one of the things I could do is have unlimited Shadow Warriors. So Shadow Warriors were uh, skirmishers; they're light troops. They've got bows. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we agreed very very quickly after the battle was that the most effective thing to do would just be to take an army composed entirely of Shadow Warriors, stand at the back, and shoot. Correct, yeah. Um, uh, and I think at that point there was no way that the High Elves would ever lose at all. They, they no. just literally wouldn't lose. No. And similarly, I had I could have precisely four units. So I could have Slayers, who, as we'll find out later, were not very good in this edition. No. A, a single unit of crossbowmen, a single unit of hammers, and a single unit of longbeards. But given my... Uh, the character I had to take made up more than a fifth of the points I had available. I could not afford all four units. So I basically had a big unit of hammers, which uh, the runesmith stood in, a reasonable size unit of slayers, I think it was 15 or 16 of them, and a unit of crossbowmen. And given that I knew I would not be able to escape off the battlefield, it was just, I walked towards you, your eagles attacked my crossbows. My main unit eventually beat up your archers, and it was a draw because you and destroyed you, and the unit. You win draws. Yeah, because you destroyed the unit, I destroyed a unit, and that was pretty much it. Oh no, no, I destroyed two units. Um, but oh, you I, did destroy the slayers. Uh, but yeah. you, but you got an extra point because uh, your hero survived the battle. Correct. Yeah. So it it was a draw, which meant. It was a win, but we we worked out afterwards. We we're like, but there, there there were precisely there's no way the runesmith could actually get off the board, and I don't think there was, you know, I could have had a smaller unit of hammers and then taken a tiny unit of longbeards to support me. I don't think that would have particularly helped, if I'm honest. No. So I was like. I don't think I could have done an awful lot different. Um, and like you say, you, you could have just chosen a force entirely of Shadow Warriors with an eagle to stop me marching off the board on the last turn. And, yeah, probably... I, I think, to be fair, if you'd stayed at the back and just shot at me all game, I'm not sure you would have been able to completely well, wipe out a dwarf unit. But I think it I think it also says something that you wouldn't have got the draw no. if we hadn't immediately changed the rules either. So the rules went 
that the dwarves should be facing their direction of travel. Yeah. And then high elves get the first turn. What we what that means is that the dwarves are facing the wrong way. They get shot in the back. Then they turn around, and that's basically their turn. They're not going to do anything else. And then they get shot in the front, and yeah. then they get to do something. So the high elves basically get two free turns. And the high elves could... So it's a fairly short scenario. It is, yeah. What, so in, in if you do it that way around, at most the dwarves can move 24 inches. So if I set up 25 inches away from you, yeah. you would never be able to reach me. And I'd just pepper you with shot until you died. Yeah, and the runesmith has to be at least 24 inches away from the board edge he needs to get off. Which also means he isn't going to get off unless he moves at full pace every single round. And all I have to do is slow him down once. It was just, it was just really, really crap. It, it was, I, I was quite pleased to get a draw because it was such a badly... I, I think we were, we were trying boring. to... boring. It, it was just a dull one. It was a really dull scenario... Um, yeah, so... It was just very, very boring. And you, you, you wanted it to be better. You wanted something good to come of it. I think, and I think the one I, one thing you Have did, you come up with a way that would, would make it work yet? Because I, I still haven't. No, no. I think the one, the one thing that potentially added a little bit of spice to this one was the fact that you actually had some good spells this time around. Yes. No, I, I had good spells. Uh, they did... So the, the reason that I managed to kill off the, the Slayers was basically because I shot them a lot and then because I also used uh, some I... magic. So, oh, uh, Fiery Convocation. Oh, the, Such the, a broken spell, yeah. It's probably the best spell, certainly in the deck. Oh, so it's sure. a high magic spell. Yeah. So there are lo- loads of different colleges of magic. Um, every race basically had their own magic. This was the High Elf magic. I mean, High Elf magic is a bit broken anyway. It is, yeah, for sure. Because we had access to everyone's magic, more or less. Well, not everyone's, but an awful lot of the the good magic, you know, as in morally good. Yes. It's not like they could go off and be necromancers or anything, but they they were morally good, so they could use pretty much anyone else's magic. And it was... It's up there with the best spells available to them. It does a horrendously large amount of damage. Yes, very good spell. Yeah, I think you got lucky because you did manage to dispel it consistently. I I then cast it consistently, but the, it gets stronger when it remains in play. I, I was and able to keep it at strength four, um, which was quite crucial. It, it is one of those horrendously broken spells, to be honest. It, yes, which which to be fair, in this particular edition of Warhammer, were uh, par for the course, to be honest. Yeah, I mean one well one of the things that magic did is that you could cast it in your turn and your opponent's turn so basically you got double whammy for magic yeah that and, was uh, broken, yeah. and dwarves don't get magic so it's a bit unfair on you yeah it's I mean dwarves are you know the fact that their base spell is always the same it does sort of level things somewhat um, but end of the day in that particular battle, I don't think I got a dispel card for the first two or three power phases. Yeah, it was slower than you would have liked. Yeah, which meant you were able to, you know, do was it Glamour of Techless? I think was the other one you had. That's oh yeah, I, I did that. I mean, that never did anything, but yes, it was just there and niggling and annoying. 
Yeah, it, it was it's, an imitation. Yeah, you were always on the back foot. They they stayed alive, but yeah, it. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're looking for a dynamic game from a race which is famously slow and boring. Yeah, it's, so it, it was a the slow, only way. Yeah, I've I think, I, I've been thinking about the scenario a lot because yeah. it's definitely the worst. The only thing I can come up with is if you reverse the roles in some way, so that it's the elves having to break through the dwarven line. Uh, yes, yeah, potentially, yeah. Be because that be- that becomes a bit more interesting because at least that's a that's a thing that they can do, and the dwarves are a defensive army, so that's playing to both sides' strengths. Yeah, I think. I mean, if you had a similar, I mean. To be honest, yeah, if you had kept it like a thousand points, um, but again had a similar sort of thing going on, there could be interest there. Essentially, I think that's you know if you've you know you've got like a road and the high offs have to you know travel off from one board edge to the other, you're fast enough that you can do it, but you know you've got to kind of fight your way through a thin line of dwarf sort of thing. That'd be potentially interesting. Um, but I think it's fair to say that neither of the first two scenarios plays to the dwarf's strength. Uh, and I don't think the third one does either, to be honest. No, the third one is probably the worst. Not necessarily the worst for dwarves, but it, it, again, it's weird because you, you're reversing the roles. So it, the th- in the third, yeah. the High Elves have captured the dwarven brewmaster. Yes, yeah. Um, so obviously this is crucial because he will provide the beer for the dwarves, oh, and if he is, yeah. if he's not freed, the dwarves will lose uh, one sixth of their force for the final combat, for the final battle, yes, because they just right. won't show up because there's no beer. Yeah. Um, so it's again, as you've said, it's kind of one where in, it doesn't really play to the dwarf strength. It doesn't necessarily play to the high elf strength either. Oh no, but, definitely not. But the so high that, elves are more adept at being able to defend than the dwarves. I would are say to attack. High elves, high elves are more flexible than dwarves. So yeah, it's exactly that. The, yeah. Basically, you've got a, a series of buildings, and one of the things that Grudge of Drong had all of the campaign packs did, to be fair, was a series of very, very good cardboard uh, terrain. Rather lovely buildings, yeah. Very, very lovely buildings, uh, which Matt owns, which made the whole thing much, much nicer. And I think it's fair to say that hiding hiding elves in a place where they can't manoeuvre is is a bit disappointing because you want your elves to be out there running around. Like I could, I took, I could take cavalry units. I took cavalry units, but actually, I was there like these guys I've got to defend a fixed obstacle I can't really move that much this is a bit rubbish uh, yeah this is it was just weird it was it was an odd it was an odd scenario um, and like I said it basically forces the dwarves to go on the offensive which is really not what dwarves are good at uh, and again it was another one where the restrictions on me were I could take a unit of hammers a unit of slayers and then warriors, crossbowmen, thunderers, and a single war machine. And again, that's not what you want to be picking a dwarf force for. Um, no, you you want as many war machines as you can possibly get. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, 
So, and, and also, I was unable to use a gyrocopter because that would have been my favoured. For, for that particular scenario, that would have been the favoured. I was going to say, that's not normal because the gyrocopter was rubbish. Uh, no, but for this scenario, the steam cannon alone would have been worth it. Yeah, because it's, it's fast and it, it just goes and uh, breaks up terrain, doesn't it? Effectively. Yeah, it's basically it's the large, large flame template, uh, strength three, but no armor save, mm. which you know would have made a mess of either of your large rank units. Um, yeah. So, and this, I think this probably comes into another point which you hadn't realised, but over the course of this game, you did realise slayers are terrible in this version. Yeah. So I'd always been working on the assumption that. Dwarf Slayers are very, very, very scary. And I don't know if this is because I've played a reasonable amount of Sixth as uh, as an an Orc... uh, I was going to say Coach General. Yeah. Uh, So I played a reasonable amount of Sixth and Seventh. And so I had higher toughness units and, you know, I just didn't want to be anywhere near those things. Or possibly it's just, you know, the propaganda... Yeah, well, because if be, you, yeah, yeah, you think things like uh, Goshrek and Felix, the Troll Slayer books, um, you know, the Troll Slayers are the best dwarfs. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, in sixth edition, they're still unbreakable. Um, they still have the always wound on a four plus, but crucially, they have two hand weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, basically, you a unit of light cavalry charged in the side and kept them pinned. For the entire game because as as I pointed out I was like no in this edition dwarf, dwarf slayers are terrible if if you were playing them in a kind of fixed battle you use dwarf slayers in lots of tiny units because that is their best use of being unbreakable blocks against enemy movement yeah a bit a bit or you use them in a uber you know, thirty slayer unit, which is quite scary and attracts a lot of attention, while your other dwarf units can just go around doing damage. Yeah, because they should be holding my guys up. They should be getting in the way. They should be stopping me doing the things I want to be doing. So, yeah. one of the things in this scenario is you get to set up a flanking force. Yes. Now, yeah. You set up your slayers as the flanking force, which I. To be honest, it's probably the right move. I don't think I'd fault that, but the problem is you could only have one unit out there. So I knew that you were going to cut, hit a flank. I didn't know which one. So I put a cavalry unit facing each flank, knowing that, worst case, I'd be able to charge you before you got to where you wanted to be. Yeah, and the the other thing which was interesting in this game is that our war machines, the, the wonder weapons of the elves and dwarves, Oh, good lord, mine was naff. Well, I mean, to be fair, mine was pretty diabolical, given that your Dragon Princes had five barrels launched at them, uh, and due to my poor artillery rolls, only a single one actually hit the buggers. Oh, look. No, 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 you got two. Did you get two? They definitely legged it at some point. No, no, no. No, 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 I was down down to three. I was down to three, because otherwise they wouldn't have run away because you wouldn't have killed enough. No, 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 no. I killed one with the organ cannon... And then the crossbows killed one of the remaining four, and you failed the panic test. Uh, the organ gun 
destroyed precisely one because three of the shells hit the ground straight away. Which admittedly is the best time to roll in this fight, and the other one just didn't reach you. Uh, which and that was literally, and the next turn it misfired and was out of action. And your bolt thrower, I think first turn didn't hit, second turn it hit, but it didn't wound. And it was only I think in the third turn that it actually started to do some damage. I think it's only killed two dwarves total. Yeah, and bear bear in mind. That's theoretically amongst the best war machines either of us have access to. I think it's. Oh, it's not say... theoretically. It it, it is yeah. one of the best war machines in the game at this point. It, it's it's excellent. As, well, as is the organ cannon, given its strength ten, with no armor save. Um, but the point is, I think it's fair to say they they both underperformed somewhat. They were both terrible, and I, I, so this is one of those those moments where. Uh, being unfamiliar with the the differences between editions did did hurt you a bit because one of the things that I was really worried about was your war machine blowing me out from behind the walls I was hiding behind and uh, yeah turns out that Matt had a different expectation of the rules and didn't think he could no I I think I was working off a later edition of the rules where a big solid wall that his troops would be hidden behind would stop cannonballs. Uh, but that, as it turned out, was a later edition thing. And it also meant that I went through the gap in the wall rather than just attacking the wall itself. Because, again, I think I had unrealistic expectations about how good the defended obstacle bonuses were. Oh, um, no, to be fair, they are good. They are definitely very good. But yeah, I, but I think you'd... So, just, just to try and put this one in picture, uh, the, with the Slayers out of the way going down the flank, what the Dwarves have to do is they are coming to attack a defended obstacle. Uh, you've got two buildings with a wall running between the buildings, which I think most yeah. people will be able to picture, and there's a gap in the middle, which is probably well, was wide enough for two units to come through. Yes, yeah. The... What the, the the challenge for the dwarves is all of the elves are going to be hiding. So do yeah. you come to them? Do you hold back and blast with your artillery? Or do you try and go around sides? And one of the things which I was worried about was the artillery, like we said, because I, I figured I'd be uh, assaulted. And, well, yeah, we've, we, I think we've discussed that one. Uh, but what Matt was thinking is that getting over that barrier is going to be difficult. So if you charge someone who's hiding behind a barrier, they've become very hard to hit, and they are effectively blocked from being hurt too badly in combat. Yeah. The thing I is... Think, oh yeah, I, I was going to say, and the other, the other thing I was bearing in mind on this was I was 24 inches away from my objective, yeah. which, is, which is four turns marching, basically. And this was a six-turn scenario. Yeah. So I, I figured the time it would take me to potentially beat you in combat at the wall and then climb over the wall would then mean I wouldn't be able to complete my objective. Now, I think that the objective here is a complete misnomer because you don't need to do it in order to win. All you need to do is win the battle. And frankly, if the... If you're getting towards your uh, getting towards the objective, I think that you are probably winning the battle 
anyway. Yes. So I just I don't think, think you'd have gotten to that point. No, I think that is probably the case. And I, again, this is probably one where I should have perhaps read the rules closely, um, to be honest. So, because um, yeah, it, it was one where if I'd won on victory points, I would have, um, yeah, I effectively. Yeah get get the bonus anyway so yeah but yeah the thing is the thing is for you it's not even a bonus it's you you actively lose so what what happened was matt matt decided to go up the middle so he he had two two big units that came right up the middle i think i want to say that they were both or one of them certainly was your elite unit wasn't it yeah it was basically the hammers and the wires yeah Um, and and after the fact we sort of discussed it and, and decided that if the Warriors decided to go through the archers, even though they were behind an obstacle, um, because there's so so much important on things like so much importance on things like the the rank bonuses, yeah, which the archers don't have because they're a smaller unit, uh, and they weren't set up for combat. They're set up for shooting, which is a very different thing in this edition. They'd Correct, have legged yeah. it. They'd have legged it, and the dwarves would have come over the top as well. Yeah, I think what I probably should have done in hindsight was march the elite unit up to the gap yeah and then two warrior units attack walls yes um which yeah i mean it was a bit weird because the sword masters actually ended up underperforming against the warriors uh yeah yeah they didn't do anything special at all did they no and i think they actually lost a couple to the champion didn't they yeah, they, they um, weren't great. Um, but then the... Well, weirdly, and I don't think it's unfair to say this, probably the unsung heroes of two of the scenarios were basic elf warriors with two hand weapons. Yes. So I um, I still yeah. feel slightly dirty doing that, but I, I mean... So, uh, the reason I feel slightly dirty is because they never actually existed. Although they're no, in the rules, no. there were never any models for them. And I, I did look at it and go, okay, well, these guys are cheap. I need some extra models. And I think these would be a really good addition to the force because they can round out what I'm doing and give me a really decent chance against against Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't feel too bad, but they, they definitely were a bit, a little bit filthy, I think is a, is a good way of phrasing that. Yeah, I think um, it, it is one it is one where looking at them you go, mm, okay, yeah, they they were it probably helped that they perhaps slightly overperformed as well. I think it's um, because on on in both occasions they charged. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, exactly that to be honest, yeah. And and the trouble with them is if you breathe on them they die. <laughs> I mean they are not designed to do anything other than kill things. If you breathe on them, they die. Uh, the champion had a potion of strength, which makes you massively effective for one turn. Yes, yeah. So there's, there's just not, there's just not a lot of stuff that they're going to be offering. Yeah, if I mean, they get yeah, hit. True. If they don't get hit, they're absolutely fine. And that that was the game I was playing, which is as long as I, I get in there first, and then they ideally act as either a flanking unit. Or certainly I didn't want them to be operating on their own because I knew that in a prolonged combat they would lose uh, to your dwarves. I just didn't expect them to stay alive for long enough. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think it is one where looking at it, 
Yeah, it's it kind of played into the fact that the elves were always going to strike first in a combat. Meant that if you got the charge, yeah, you were all, you were always probably statistically likely to kill enough that it was going to be at least a draw. Yes. Um, um, yeah, and and so that that was really good. The, the I think the other thing, the other error, uh, was simply around can you straddle a wall? So you advanced up the gap, and what I'd done the previous turn was to move a couple of things around, which meant that I had a unit that literally just climbed over the wall to charge you. Yeah, um, and again, I had no idea you could do that. I, I, yeah. I again, I was work, working off later editions of. You, you can't do that. And I was like, oh no, he absolutely can do that. That's perfectly legit. So. Yeah. And and I was sat there. I, I, I did actually look this up. I, I found found the photo in question. One of the reasons I was confident I could do it is because I'd watched it be done. I mean, this, this is not to say that actually the White Dwarves were always accurate in terms of the rules, because they definitely were not. Oh, they 100% were not, no. Uh, it was quite common for them to get things, let's face it, massively wrong. But... Um, I remembered, oddly enough, dwarf, they, Dwarven Warriors, although they were Chaos Dwarf Warriors, not Dwarf Warriors, I had it slightly wrong, uh, straddling an obstacle in a battle report in White Dwarf. Okay, and so, yeah. And so what happened was his two units came in the gap, and at this point they don't ha- they don't hate me anymore, so their leadership is modified. I charged him in the front, with actually with my general, and with uh, another unit, I think it was. Oh, that was that was the the warriors, and then the spears hit you in the flank, and I think I killed say five dwarves, and you killed maybe one, maybe two in in comparison, but the the difference is, the rank bonuses that you'd normally have you didn't have. I had rank bonus of four, I think, so I, I won the combat by say seven or so. Your leadership's down to two. Oh look, you ran away. I charge you down and kill the unit, and the the neighbouring elite unit, which then potentially can panic because someone ran away, did, and that's what for you a one in six, I think, for them for them to run away in that fashion. Elite uh, leadership ten because the general was with that unit. Yeah, yeah. So literally should never happen. Did happen because you know your dice are always impressive. Yeah, it it was one of those where, like I said, we discussed it often, so I was like, I had forgotten how bad the dwarves are in this edition, and made even more so by the restrictions on the scenario. So I'm not, I am looking forward to the final battle. I fully expect to lose the final battle. Uh, I have no intention of doing anything else. However, I think we are planning on... Uh, Probably we're going to try maybe like a sixth edition at some point, uh, a more basically not a scenario, just a straight. Uh, what did they call it back? Pitched battle, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, pitched battle. Straight, straight the, the kind of straight two armies line up and fight. Probably so. Yeah, I I think that's probably for the best. I think that'd be be interesting to do, um, and we and we'll need to work out sort of points cost and so on else. But I think. I think if I think the last one was was interesting and would probably have been quite close if it weren't for the the obvious whoopsies. Um, yeah, the I first think... battle was fine. The second one was incredibly naff. Yeah, it's 
it is one where yeah that i don't think that the fact that kind of the first and third battle could could have gone either way realistically um suggests that there's they're probably not terribly balanced I don't, like I said, we, we both complained numerous times about how crap our heroes were in each scenario, to be honest. Oh, yeah, uh, so there, there's but, nothing but, that... You, you would just not equip your no, characters in that way under no, any well, circumstances. I, mean, I was going to say, your, uh, your hero in the last battle, who was mounted and did not have a lance. Yeah. Which you was know, a partic- why? particularly egregious error, to be honest. So. It's just stupid. Yeah, you, you're on a horse. Yeah. You have a lance. That's what you do. It just—I just didn't understand why. Why wouldn't yeah. you do that? Madness, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I—I I, I just don't forgive them for that one. But never mind. Yeah, it—it's very, um, very random, to be honest. So. Incredibly um, so. But yeah, it was—it was enjoyable playing some old school Warhammer, and I'm—I'm I'm looking forward to. The slightly larger scale old school Warhammer we're going to do at an indeterminate point in the future as well. So... I need to paint some more elves first. I haven't got enough yet. Well, I have I have the models to be fair, but I don't have uh, enough painted. Yeah, it's cause... Re- re- realistically it's not going to be for months minimum. Well, so... if nothing else, it's because I need literally double the n- double the number of points as the first and last battles. Uh yes. Cause yeah. my my army is three thousand points and I'm like, ah crap, I've got quite a lot to do there because I do not have three thousand points worth of elves painted. Well not that I'm allowed to use because I can't use my griffin. Yeah, again, the there's I I mean all of these scenarios have some weird restrictions, but bearing in mind the final battle is effectively it's effectively a pitched battle. The fact that you still have a lot of weird restrictions, and I I still have a lot of weird restrictions. I mean, you have more given that uh, you don't have any war machines for a start. Oh no! Well, I I have more in the fact I can't have any slayers. Can you not have any slayers in the final one? Nope. Ooh, that's weird. Oh, because they're all off with Queen Helga in her retinue. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you're saying that slayers are not sexist? Uh, no, like I say, they are a big old block that you can just chuck into something nasty. No, 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 I, or, I know that. Um, but uh, yeah, so in in the basically in the final combat, uh, you have Queen Helgar, who is the cause of all of these issues, or yeah. potentially the the excuse for all these issues, depending on how you would like to phrase it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she just sort of sits over on the sidelines watching the elves and the dwarves fighting it out and she might take part or she might not yeah exactly correct yeah because uh, am I right in saying that your general is actually her husband I believe so yeah because there's like Um, an arranged marriage thing that's, that's happened there and so part of this is she wants to go off and trade with the elves, but she she's also married, so she can't do anything too extreme. Something along those yes, lines. Yes, or, or he's like the next one in line for the throne or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something weird like that. But yeah, it's uh, it it will be interesting. 
I think. Yeah, I'll look forward to it. Um, I may manage to get a couple of games of uh, 7th in, I think, because there are some locals who who play that, so I shall, I shall be giving it a go. I did, actually, on, on the way back down, I was listening to a podcast uh, called War Games Orchard. Oh, yes, yeah. I don't know if you've come across that one, but for anyone who is vaguely interested in, in the topic, I would recommend them uh, for further listening. And uh, it was it was an episode about someone who's been making Warhammer CE, which is variously uh, basically community. It's basically the community edition. And one of the things he'd looked at was how to improve the campaign packs. And the suggestion oh, no, for yeah. the suggestion for Grudge of Drong, uh, amongst other things, was like in the second scenario was to give you rangers. But I don't I don't know do rangers even exist in that book? Yes. Okay, do you, if you'd had rangers, do you think that would have made any real difference? So, actually, can you just explain what rangers are as a starting point? That, that might be a useful thing. Yeah, so in this particular edition, I'm just going to check. Uh, but I think probably the most uh, useful thing is their... Is it infiltrators, they call them? Do they do that this early on? I'm just double-checking because I'm not 100% sure. Because in later editions, that's called scouting. And it's something which my Shadow Warriors get. But it's not something which they get this early on. Uh, in fact, Rangers are not a thing unless... I think Bugman's Rangers are a thing in this edition. Oh, no, what? Because they've been... Uh, let's have a look. No, um, so you can get Bugman, but not his Rangers in this particular edition, and Rangers are not a thing in the army book at this time. So so the Rangers were released later on, weren't they? Uh, I believe... Uh, I'm pretty sure they were in 6th edition. I'm just going to check the 6th edition army book to be sure. Um, yeah, but I think they were released before that. Yeah, they... Well, Bugman's Rangers were around model-wise before that, for sure. Which suggests there might also be some rules for them. Might have been a White Dwarf only type thing. Uh, yeah, I but think... basically, the idea is they they were scouts, weren't they? Yeah, there are. Um, yeah, there are Rangers in Sixth Edition. So yeah, were they I a suppose... decent unit? Was it was it something that you know, if you'd had them earlier, would they have helped? I mean, yeah, probably, because Dwarf Rangers fucking ruled in 6th edition. Oh, really? So, they, they were actually good. Because there are some units it, that were just terrible anyway. Yeah, so, put it this way, so they're units of, uh, they were units of 10 to 20. Yeah. They, as standard, they come with great weapons and light armour. Right. So, they're fighting with plus two strength. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they can be equipped with crossbows. Mm-hmm. And they can have full command. And they can scout. So basically you had the ability of setting up a 20 strong, fully armed crossbow unit. Uh, pretty much wherever you like. And they had great weapons. So even if they were charged, they were pretty solid. Yeah. yeah, I can see why that would be quite a useful thing to have. 
not 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 game breakingly so, but the fact that you had a an advanced unit which you know if you had you know ten to fifteen probably set up in a couple of ranks so you're shooting seven or eight crossbows per turn um but you're shooting quite close almost certainly short range yeah so you're hitting on fours you know that's that's a good way to chip away at something and also it's like here's this big unit near your line while the rest of my army marches up on you you've got to deal with them yeah and if you don't deal with them you're not going to have a particularly good day yeah, well, it, that was the same edition as well, where you had uh, so miners could appear anywhere. Yeah, and yeah. It, again, it was I think it was from turn two on a four plus they turned up on any table edge, so you could go right. Here's my unit of twenty rangers with crossbows right in front of you. On your second turn, a unit of twenty miners, also you know heavily armed, etc., is popping up in your deployment zone. Deal with it. Yeah, it's quite unpleasant. Uh, I mean, the miners could obviously technically not turn up at all. That happened on occasion, but ah well, these things. It happen. did. It did give dwarves more options. So I can see actually, if you were, if we were to refight it as a sixth edition army, and that second scenario did have a unit of rangers, that well, I suppose the only thing it would do is potentially slow you up from slowing me up, if you see what I mean. Yep. Um, which meant, I, I suppose, it does give the runesmith a chance to actually get off the board. Yeah, yeah, a better, so that he would have a better shot of escaping. Yeah, it, it, it basically would have meant escaping would be a viable option rather than a, just not an option at all. Okay. Yeah, I think, it, over, it, it, I think overall it, it, what we're deciding is these were very one... That one was very one-sided. They were all quite limited. Yes, for they, sure. They were, yeah. they're, they're interesting fun, but they're not something that you would do all the time. I do still love the, the narrative form of play, and I do much prefer objective games over anything else, but I recognise that uh, High Elves were always very good at objective games. Yeah, well, high elves are always a, I mean, always... say, a, a fairly flexible army, because yeah, I mean, they were they were just very good generally. I know that, but yeah, well, the thing is, high elves were one of the they were one of the armies where you could have a high elf gun line, you could have a high elf, um, you know, elite cavalry force. You oh could yeah, have, you could have a massively strong infantry high elf force. I mean. Based on some of our, our escapades in Total War, Alex will yes. not be at all surprised that I had in sixth. I had an all cavalry high elf force, so I had a two thousand point army where literally everything was on a horse, apart from what was on a dragon. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty solid and entirely legitimate. There, and it just meant that you could your entire army would just go right. I'm going over here now. Yeah, that's that's going to be a problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's rude. I quite liked it. Some of my opponents disagreed, but you know, it's whenever I'm playing these games, I like the idea of mobility and being able to move to where I want to be. That's the thing that I want to have control over, and I 
I mean, it's why I gravitate towards teams like Wood Elf. It's why, you know, we, we were chatting yesterday about my escapades with humans. I find yeah. humans to be yeah. considerably more fun in Blood Bowl when there are two catchers on the pitch. Oh, yeah, because they're significantly better, aren't they? So. I don't know if they're better because they are definitely weaker, but it's just the fact that I can suddenly have the players exactly where I want to be. It's that flexibility. And maybe it's because I'm not actually that good a Blood Bowl coach. I don't know. But having players with the movement to means that I can respond to situations. And some of that is yeah, offensively and some of that is defensively. It does give you a lot of options and it does, I think, help that um, human catchers are not just useful for the scoring ability. Um, they are... The fact that they can, for example, have sneaky it does make them quite useful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, actually, that's quite dirty. Uh, it's funny, but definitely... I've I, I've seen it. It's... It, yeah, it's fun. Because, especially... Oh, I've used it a couple of times now. Yeah. I mean, with, and with the changes sneaky it, you basically foul, run away again. Foul, yeah. run away again. That's absolutely the game you play with those, and it's brilliant. Yeah, it, like you say, it's the game you play because it's a ga- it's a game plan that totally works. So you know, gotta go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy that very much. So at some point, we will be playing the next round, and uh, we will report back. I, I think, I think it's fair to say that our expectation of the fourth game is that you are a bit shafted. Oh, 100%, yeah. Because, yeah, for sure. obviously, you've lost a sixth of your fourth because you don't have any beer. And you yeah. don't have any of your your war machines, which are absolutely fundamental to how the dwarves are supposed to be played. They certainly are. So that's going to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, I do get runes. That is literally the only thing. Yeah, you get runes, but even that is limited. So ru- normally you could do some really stupid things with magic items. Uh, and we we both could. Yes. But oh yeah. One, for sure. one of the things that they've done is restrict how much you can spend on single items, so you can't actually have anything that's too broken. Yeah, it's basically so each hero may have a rune item up to a value of fifty points, which basically means I could have a magic weapon or magic armor, which is problematic because you want both. Yeah. In essence, you you realise that I could have the forbidden rod, right? Uh, are you allowed that in the last battle? Yep, I could make that as a combo. Yeah, I mean, we've already agreed the forbidden rod is indeed forbidden. Well, so. yeah, obviously, I think any any halfway decent person would agree that it was forbidden. But it's just the it's just the general comment of I still have access to some broken stuff. You don't in the same way. Yeah, and and that's and that's with me having one, so to speak. The second scenario, I'm still restricted on the number of things I get. Yeah. Uh, yeah which it's... is yeah, it it's it it makes things silly, yes, and yeah. so. But yeah, I, I'm still looking forward to it because it's it's playing more fourth edition Warhammer, which exactly, it is as silly as I remember. So. Very much so. I, I think what we'll probably end up doing actually is planning two games on the same day. So because I reckon we could yeah. do a morning of 
to finish up the Grudge of Drong, and then we'll do another game which might be more interesting in in the afternoon maybe if nothing yeah. else you might you might want a palate cleanser or <laughs> we we may want a palate cleanser beyond the oh god that was one-sided and it might it may well be one way or another because you know as we already have experienced um you know we thought that the second game would be massively one-sided and uh it, it was definitely a well, you 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 were actually never in any danger of losing that. I don't think. No, because I mean, because I was far enough forward, and you you did everything absolutely right. You got it spot on, and I I had overlooked several key things. Yeah, I think the one the one slight plus I have is that I'm I'm not limited in the number of uh, missile units I can take. So I might so, be able to take gun line. I might I might be able to take one war machine. But I can take as many handgunners and crossbowmen as I damn well like. Uh, and I don't believe I have an objective apart from to beat you. So I can just... Yeah. It could just basically be a gun line. I don't have to move off my baseline. You have to come to me. Ah, so there's a very rude thing that I can do in response to that. Take lots of bolt furs. So I can take three. But if I deploy everything 48 inches away from you... Your artillery is barely going to be in range, and I could sit there and just nuke you from afar and wait for you to come towards me. Could do, yeah. I mean, again, option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we've talked about this. I think that's probably the optimal way for me to play the scenario, and it's incredibly boring. Yeah, it is one of those things. The as as we've said, the whole point of the grudge draw is it's a it's a silly fun set of linked scenarios and it's Let's... more the link it, it is more the linking together rather than anything else yeah. it's not they're not they're not supposed to be necessarily balanced no although... but and, and also we kind of have a gentleman's agreement to not be a dick yeah and i think as well it's they they are as well they're supposed to be more or less balanced and some of them are more balanced, some of them are less. It is ultimately where it's at, isn't it? So I think I think the last balance, the last battle is balanced in your favour because you could gain uh, some allies part way through. But I think a, certainly the the second battle is favouring the elves. I think I think the third one does as well, really. I think so. Yeah, and I mean I. Do you think that um, just looking at it, like Queen Helga is not great, if I'm honest. Yeah, but she's still better than a kick in the teeth, given that she's free. Uh, yeah, true, true. And that's what I mean. You have free reinforcements who will just show up and help you, or could yeah, but- show up and help you. They might not. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's yeah, it's effectively a dwarf general with a kind of rubbish weapon. Um does have a banner which is useful and a bunch of slayers, which is, you know, decent. Yeah, I mean they're not gonna be they, they don't break and ultimately, as we said, if you if you have a decent hero in this edition, it doesn't entirely matter what the unit is doing. Because yeah. 
they will all they need to do is carry the hero into combat well I think the issue is it's entirely random actually looking at it oh that's horrendous yeah she only shows up she only changes sides on a certain die roll doesn't she no it's it's even worse than that um, so the, the troll slayers yeah. are it, it's d6 times 100 points of them so that by... I mean that could be a horrendously large unit. Uh, it could also be seven. <laughs> so it will it will be between it's so, so it's somewhere between seven and seventy is what you're telling me. Pretty much, yeah. And if it's seventy, I'm just going to throw a couple of small units at you to slow you down. Yeah, I don't, I don't want you anywhere near real combat with those. Well, it, it, technically, it's between seven and forty-two, I believe. Oh, is that the, okay? Uh, I yeah, w- working out correctly, but I could have Slayer champions in there as well. How many Slayer champions are you allowed? Up to three, so I could have a Giant Slayer, a Dragon Slayer, and a Demon Slayer. I think. Well, that's actually pretty good then. Because I'm guessing part of the issue on the other when when you've had the slayers in the other one is you didn't have the champions. Oh no, the champions are kind of rubbish. Well, they get more attacks. They can have runic weapons. Uh, yes. Well, it depends which one. Again, it depends which ones you take. Uh, because the I think it's demon slayers the best. Because de- yes. demon slayers, demon slayers, demon slayers or dragon general. slayers. Yeah. Um, dragon. I think it's Demon Slayer, Dragon Slayer, Giant Slayer. So Giant Slayers are the champion equivalent. Right. Drag, Dragon Slayers the hero equivalent. Demon Slayers are the equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, which is you know, they they are fine. Um, you know the additional attacks are nice. They've all got strength four, which is you know, quite nice. Um, I mean, nothing to sniff at. Well, they they are technically a bit weird because I believe you can up, uh, you can upgrade as many slayers as you want to the champion level. Oh, this is probably why slayers become a slightly better unit then, because if you've got the point and you do that, they beca- they can become quite meaty. Yeah, but I mean, a unit of so technically you could have a unit of five demon slayers which is then very 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 expensive that's a thousand points it's quite funny though Uh, you can't but i mean like a unit of five giant slayers is still uh 300 points i think odd and that's for three one wound champions which are no better than normal slayers and still don't have armor I mean that is the ultimate problem with all of these, isn't it? They don't have armor, but at least the, once you get up to the dragon slayers, aren't they toughness five? Yes, and they're two wounds dragon slayers as well because they're here. Yeah, so that I might be more tempted by. But I mean, again, so five dragon slayers would be uh, about six hundred and fifty points, mm-hmm. which is a lot to spend on five models. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. Yeah, I mean. Having a big slayer unit with a giant slayer and a dragon slayer in is quite cool because you know it gives you extra options and also 
and I think I think we found this on a couple of occasions because the fourth edition rules are a bit weird about cha how champions work in the unit when hits are allocated, don't they? I think we completely ignored how any of that should have worked. Yeah, I I think we kind of we brushed over it because, as I seem to recall, it was complex. So but I think what you're yeah, it, isn't there something around you you're supposed to declare if you're hitting them. Or if you have... Oh, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. That stuff has always been weird, because in certain editions, the champion was basically invincible and couldn't be injured until the rest of the unit went. Correct, yeah. Which I, I think is how we played it, although I'm not... It is how we played it. I'm not sure we... I'm, I think that was right fourth edition, but again, I didn't but then, check. You know, if if we're, if we're we feel like house-ruling that, which is essentially what we did, I think that's fine. Because all, we, all we've done is we have disadvantaged both of us equally. Yeah, yeah, ultimately, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think so, that's fine. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun. We played Grudge Um We are... Considering, I think obviously we have at least one more battle to play. Yeah, we might play, might play some more fantasy. Um, we might play. We discussed even picking up some of the other specialist games. Yeah, um, I mean, I I literally have Cal Carl Jericho in my hand right now. Oh, I could go for some Necromunda, like old school Nec. Love Necromunda so much. Yeah, so uh, more classic games might be a thing, just because you know we are. I mean, I, ha I don't know about you, I have zero interest in the new Necromunda. It might be a brilliant game. I've heard reasonable things about it, but I just don't care because I love the old one so much. Yeah, the, the old rules are very solid for that. Um, you know, we've got the option of, I think you mentioned you've uh, played one of the epic versions as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I don't own any of it anymore, sadly. Um, but I've, I've got, got... I mean, I know, I know that Thor is the man to talk to about epic. He has many armies uh, I've only got squat space marine orc and elder I mean only and I mean I could build uh, pretty solid armies for each of them to be fair it's weirdly space marines are probably the smallest um, and then Warmaster. Um, again I've got a couple of armies so yeah I've which you said you're starting to look at with Rubik um yeah, we're, I'm, we're slowly, I'm just slowly painting them. Yeah, always, always into. So the, the, I think my two favourites, and probably the one that I played the most, was uh, more time. Because Ooh, I've got more time. Yeah, it's good fun. Because I I picked that up as a as a box. I can't remember when. At some point, I I, I ended up with the box, and I I just adored that game. And um, my crowd was very much fantasy crowd rather than. Uh, sci-fi so we didn't end up doing necromunda we did more time and i've played so much of that i've still got two two of my gangs that's actually where my shadow warriors have are based yeah yeah uh, and so i think I, i've got I, i'd I've be got, I've very got happy sisters to do of sigma i think for that yeah yeah, yeah they were good fun uh Batfleet gothic as well yeah I've, I've still got a few uh cobra class destroyers i think for that yeah, great models for the Imperials, yeah. yeah. Pretty good as well. So I mean anything involving torpedoes in that game is, is just hilarious. Yeah, that's uh, I well 
by looking to my left, I can see literally a shelf full of, I think it's my Chaos Fleet. Yeah, it's my Chaos Fleet. Um, so I have a an even larger Imperial Fleet. So yeah, I can do a, I can, I can provide enough ships for a very solid Chaos Fist Imperial. So... Which, to be honest, is probably my preferred random thing because I've, I've played very, very few games of that. I think beyond when it first came out and they had what all the rules printed in the White Dwarf. Yes, yeah. Which was great. I love the fact they did oh, that. Oh, yeah. The, the little cards um, models, they were fantastic. And they, they gave you enough of the basic rules to go, here's, here's a fully playable game that you can have a lot of fun with. And yeah. my gaming group and I had a lot of fun with them. Yes, because of course you did, because they were great rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I, th- I think possibly that once we've once we've done this, that would be uh, really good fun. Yeah. If we do, we will hundred uh, percent talk about it at length. I am Pos- sure we will. Too, pos- so... Possibly too much length. We will talk about it though. So apologies because uh, if you didn't enjoy this, um, you know, sorry. <laughs> there's, there's more more to come for sure. There is. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure, more to come. But you know, I, I, I think there are probably a reasonable number of people out there who have uh, in, have got something out of this. At least I hope so. Um, yeah, we, we will be back reasonably soon uh, with the official episode one hundred. We've got something lined up, which uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Actually, I think we are recording that in a couple of weeks, so we'll be that should be coming to you by the end of September, hopefully. Hopefully, middle of September. Yes, correct. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, any, anything else you want to close off with then? I don't think so. No, I think we've covered an awful lot of ground there. Yeah, I think so. Um, actually, the only thing I, I did want to close off is just as a reminder that sometimes a one is a good thing. Yes, <laughs> it is. It certainly is. Yeah. Uh, well, we have been. Anything but a one. What could go wrong?